2: To Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC, UCLA uh, with the Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com for all of his content, where all of his shows are each and every week. And you can, when you follow him on Twitter, he'll tweet out what he thinks uh, after each quarter of the game. And we're going to get what he thinks about the game. Right now, I got to uh, hang out with Coach Harvey Hyde on Friday at the Pasadena Quarterbacks Club, the USC-UCLA luncheon. That was a lot of fun. The game for USC fans, not so much fun. So we're going to talk about all that. If you have questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow and leave us a five-star rating. It really does help to grow the show. Okay we got to grow the show by talking about this Trojan football team. Ten games down, two games left, uh, four and six record. Need to win both to become bowl eligible. It's the Bruins who scored 62 points, Coach, 62 to 33. The most points ever scored in the rivalry by UCLA. Uh, Tied for the most points ever scored against USC. Chip Kelly did it once in 2012. And then the, the tarmac game, Lane Kiffin. Gave up 62 to Arizona State. He got fired hours later. Uh, so an epic uh, breakdown of, I mean, just yeah, we have, we haven't seen anything like this. USC's been so bad in the Coliseum, Coach. I did a column: 225 points to conference opponents in five games. Uh, that's a lot. They've been outscored by 70 uh, in conference play at home. I, I don't. I've never seen anything like this before, Coach. I, I don't know what you make of it.
0: Well, Ryan, first of all, I want to thank you for coming to the Pasadena Quarterbacks Club on Friday. It uh, was great to have you sit with us at our table. And, again, uh, I want to thank all of the people out there that did attend. It was a great event. I mean, we had about 170 people. It was great. We had fun. We talked football. It was great. And, again, I want to wish everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. Uh, that's a, a special family day, so make sure you if you know, if you could make just one call to wish somebody happy Thanksgiving, I think that would make your day. I make several and it really does make my day. But Ryan, rather than me start ranting yeah. about the game and all of that, why don't we try to answer the questions of the people that called that way or text or whatever? And make sure we specifically answer theirs. And then you can come back to me and ask me anything you want.
2: I like that, coach. That's a good way to do it. We did get a bunch of questions. Obviously, people are interested in the USC UCLA game. And there's also some interest in who the next head coach is going to be. So we'll start off talking about the game. So we'll get some of the game questions first. And then we'll go into some of the, the head coaching questions. And then, you know, let everyone go on their way for hopefully what's a happy Thanksgiving uh week, lots of Pac-12 football games this weekend too cuz you got Stanford-Notre Dame, USC playing BYU, so there's extra a little extra Pac-12 games. You've Got some Friday games, so lots of Pac-12 football if you want to get to it uh this weekend. But let's start with their first voicemail for you, coach.
1: Richard right after the uh, game uh in a year that I didn't think could get any more embarrassing. It certainly did. Most points ever scored in a uh, SEC-like game by UCLA and the first losing record at the Coliseum for SC since 2000. Um I don't know how this uh, getting rid of Helton changed anything. Nothing has changed. Everybody should have been fired, and hopefully they're going to fire. Uh, just an embarrassment to watch this team and to watch the way they've played. Todd Orlando, everything. So uh I certainly hope SC makes the right decision with a new coach because if they don't, it's going to be even a longer period of time. I guess congrats to UCLA. Uh, They've taken over the city for a year, but uh, maybe you and the coach can explain what happened and, again, how getting rid of Helton improved anything. I don't see it. So thank you. Enjoy the show. And uh, as always, fight on. Bye.
0: Well, thank you very much for calling us. And uh, there's a lot of questions to answer here. It would take about an hour to get to the point where the program (laughs) is. But let's basically basically, uh, answer his questions here first of all, what happened on Saturday was just a process of what's been going on. I mean, how has the process changed since they fired Clay Helton? Clay Helton obviously could have had as good a season as what Dante Williams has done, and maybe even better. Who knows? That's never, we'll never find that out. But because of the firing of Clay Helton, obviously there's a lot of disruption as far as part of the staff and players' uncertainty of what their future is as far as a player and a coach and uh, are we going to be retained? So the intensity of a real true football season isn't there as far as recruiting's not there as strong, everything else, because coaches have got to look out for themselves. Players have got to look out for themselves. And as hard as Dante Williams might work, you know, there's always something that happens during that day where the first call of the day is for me and not for them. And that's where you start there, where everything starts to erode, as you might say. Uh, this is a process of where the administration at USA knew this was coming down, and I don't know how it saved them any dollars or any type of delay. This should have been done a year ago or two years ago. I don't know how it saved them any money, really. When you consider if they'd have let him go at the end of next year, and I'm not advocating firing anybody, they would have spent the same amount of money, so it doesn't make any difference. And they would have been able to have a head coach in there that would have been able to start – doing his thing or putting his staff together or recruiting or starting a whole new deal, a whole new deal without the portal and, and all of the above. And I don't want to answer that the whole question in this first uh, question that we have by going on and on and on. But it is sad that the program is where it is. And it's probably the lowest it's ever been. I'm not talking about records or worst teams or anything as far as image, image nationally, imaged by the boosters, the alumni, the students. The unrest there is terrible as far as the amount of people who come to the game and leave to the game early, and everybody's throwing their USC hat away and all of the above. No one's wearing a USC hat in the country club today. And again, uh, has it been the right thing for UCLA? I don't know. We can talk about that, too, with that big victory as far as Chip Kelly's concerned. So basically the program is what you might call And what you, I guess you want to call, you want to bury these last two games. I I don't know why they're playing. I mentioned this before many times and, and a lot of times during all of our podcasts, I'd hate to use this term, but I said, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. When it all started back with the hiring of the assistant coaches and the extension of the contracts and all of that, but I'm not going to use that today. But again, you know, it uh, is something that uh, people are counting the days at practice, whether you believe it or not. Like they're getting out of the service, they're checking off the days as far as the number of days of practice left, and that last game is really insignificant. Now, really, uh, to play an eight o'clock game or eight thirty game or whatever it is at Cal is embarrassing as far as for USC and the Pac-12. A seven thirty game this. Uh, Saturday in the Coliseum after the UCLA game is embarrassing as far as national exposure, but you have to play that one. But you have the contract, so you know. Well, just myself, it's for putting the program away, ahead the head the football coach as soon as possible. And the longer they put it off, unless they have someone inked, all right. There are other jobs that are opening up now that are great jobs, like Florida and so on. So, I say uh, bury it, move on, and uh, have the have the memorial service and then uh, get started for the next season.
2: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree, Coach. At this point, that cow game just seems like uh, an unnecessary burden uh, on this this team, which is obviously spiraling out of control. Um, we had, just real quick, we had John in Oakland write a message, that uh, an email that was, I don't know, like three pages long. Hey, John, perfect time for you to go over to uscfootball.com message board and post that there. We can't read... Uh, a thousand word email uh, on the podcast sorry about that uh, we also had a long voicemail someone was really mad at me coach he did leave his name he thinks USC is a basketball school now he was just mad at me for some reason but um, sorry I yeah, didn't leave a name and uh, I can't really it was way too long a voicemail to play he dared me to play it but it was just it's too long so if you played it short I would play it and you can trash me all you want but, uh, but we did get a text message from Jarrett and San Clemente he says hey guys Is the single coverage jump ball to Taj Washington uh, improvising by Dart or something you guys see at practice? I noticed a play where Malcolm Epps and Kyle Ford were on the field and Dart lobs one up to a 5'11 guy. Credit to Taj, but a Shotgun is mentioned, the receivers seem misused. Do you think that Dart's being Dart or that's Dart being Dart or Graham being Graham? Jarrett from San Clemente.
0: Well, the the players do what the coach says, okay? So it's the way they've been taught and schooled and what the philosophy is of their offense. And since Graham came to USC, it's been the air raid attack, the air raid attack. And I told everybody at that time, that type of offense is not one that USC wants or likes. If you watch Utah play this last weekend, how they hammered Oregon, that's USC, except USC would have better players. The way Oregon State hammered, Arizona State, that's what USC people like. They don't even want to win. They want to hurt people, okay? They want people to surrender and bring the white towel out. Well, when they brought the air raid attack, that's a whole different philosophy of what USC people are used to, okay? So that did not, I don't think, set well with the people. didn't set well with me. I told you that, Ryan, on the show. And he came in completely with an air raid attack and attracted Good quarterbacks, because great quarterbacks in high school want to throw the ball 60, 70 times a game if they can. uh, Who wants a running game? I want stats. I want to win an award. I want to play the award. I want to play in the NFL. So you're able to get great quarterbacks. But then again, you've had great quarterbacks leave, too, because of that, with the overstocking of quarterbacks. I mean, JT Daniels, uh, Matt Fink didn't play, Brown left. I mean, we can go on and on and on, because quarterbacks want to get on the field. But when you look at the Heisman Trophy winners at USC, they had great running games and and Matt Leinhart and the other quarterbacks that played at USC, they had a balanced attack. And I said all along, you can't win football games unless you run the football and you have a philosophy that you're going to have the best players in America on the offensive line and defensive line and you're going to cause havoc. Well, you know, that didn't happen. And all of a sudden this year, they started to run the football a little bit more because they lost Drake London. And they didn't know what to do. So they started running the football. They lost half their offense. And now all of a sudden, they've come back. And Washington is the guy they throw the ball to now every time. Instead of realizing that you have great receivers there. If you watch football on the weekend, you see a great receiver from USC at Tennessee starting. You see great receivers all over the country or great players from USC that are playing on great programs. You've got to be able to identify your personnel. You've got to be able to give those players an opportunity to play several plays in a row, not run on and off the field. You've got to give your quarterback an opportunity to look at these different players and recognize them and know what their speeds are and know what their limitations are and their pluses are. Not every other play you throw to a different guy. And it's not an intramural program. You know, you take great receivers like Ford and so on, they barely get on the field. And again, uh, you know, it's just all part of the same old record. That I keep talking about every, the same ending of the uh, movie that I keep talking about here on Mondays when we do our podcast. Ryan, it, it wasn't fit for USC. Uh, Graham Harold probably is a nice person, but he's never taught his team to go under center. He's never taught his team what a jumbo package is when you have short yardage. He's never taught his team how to have a quarterback sneak. He hasn't taught his team the basics of what football is. If you start it on the pop Warner level and you go right up through it. So, you know, uh, so be it. That's what they have. They're going to make a change. So we'll go from there.
2: All right, coach. Um, why don't we go to an email from Sergeant Strong? Uh, he likes writing in. He says, well, this game sucked. Can't believe you at UCLA hung 62 on us, but in a way I can believe it. This team is just so bad schematically in their preparation, just overall coaching we have some amazing talented players, and it seems like we got a bunch of coaches from a penny saver magazine. Our coaches failed these kids, and the soft system Clay Helton established for the past six seasons is still there, even though Helton is no longer there. What keeps me excited is knowing we will have a new head coach next season, and that's all I'm looking forward to. What else could we take away from a season of failure? Thank you guys for all you do, Sergeant Strong.
0: Well, Sergeant, I tell you, you've been in the service sir, for a long time, and you know discipline is the main part of the service. Discipline is a part of life. And I knew when USC took the field Saturday, they were going to get their butts kicked, okay? You watch UCLA working out. They're all in their same T-shirt. Discipline as far as they're stretching, working out, doing the things they need to do. And here comes the Trojans on the field taking their shirts off. Taking their shirts off and walking around. Now, this is a football game. This isn't a muscle contest. It's all me, it's Hollywood. You've got video boards being played in the fourth corner of all the players and the music and so on, highlighting the players when you're getting your butt beat by 30 points. Somebody's gotta get the people clued in on, this is a football game, a contest, it used to be called gladiator type of game, okay? It's a carryover. So I knew at that time, nothing has changed, uh, no discipline, now Dante Williams tries But he's an inexperienced head coach. He's been put in a position where, what can I do? I'm not going to change the offense, which isn't very good. I can't change the defense because the great players don't perform. And, you know, in his position, he coached the secondary might be the worst one as far as giving up big plays, tackling, uh, rotating players in there and so on. So it's havoc, complete havoc. So you know you look at it and you wonder what happened to Drake London. I mean, what? He didn't get one tackle in the game—a zero.
2: A oh, Drake Jackson.
0: Zero, huh?
2: Drake Jackson. Drake ja-
0: Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And he's an All American. Zero. So he had Are some sort, sort of he,
2: he had some sort of lower leg injury, according to Oh yeah. Dante Williams. But he didn't play that many snaps.
0: No, no, no. Because that's been is he didn't want to hurt himself for the NFL, okay? Because that's not the way you play. You got to play or. Or Foreman, I don't know what's wrong with him, but how many reps did they get out of these two great players on the defensive side of the football? I mean, it comes down to getting your players in a position where they can perform and want to perform, want to get it done, not think about, do I drop in this pass or do I rush the quarterback on this pass? So it's a combination of everything. And then to have a kickoff returned on you during a very crucial period of the game when you're starting to make somewhat of a maybe momentum change in the game crushed them crushed them so you know you see all these things happen and you watch the sidelines and everything and you just wonder what are they doing wearing sunglasses usc football players with towels on their head with sunglasses on top of it what is that all about My goodness, I mean, these are things that I look for. Now, Ryan, you may not look for these things, okay? But as a football coach, I look for discipline. And as the sergeant asked this question, I look for discipline from him. And kids just want to know what they can do and what they can't do. And this happened a long time ago. So, you know, once you start easy, you can't get tough. But once you start tough, you can get easy. So this happened years ago, and it's continued, and right now, Dante Williams is trying to be a friend of the players and so on trying to com- trying to commit to them, but it isn't going to happen.
2: Yeah. It's tough. Cause he came out, you know, in the beginning was like, Hey, we're going to change the culture. And then on Sunday night uh, he was asked questions about changing the culture. And he said it could take two to three years. So it, for me, I mean, I want to get your coach interpretation of this coach, because when he comes out, it's like, we're not going to step on the logo. You're going to, you know, you're not going to wear hoodies. Like, there's a lot of stuff and it's like, wow, okay, he means business. Um, But it just seemed to like go back to, you know, the mean. And I, maybe you just can't do that much. And you're an interim head coach. You probably don't have a ton of power, but it seems like he's given up on all of that stuff where he did try to change the car. It seems like he tried, but it was just too much to overcome without, you know, an off season and, you know, an actual head coach, not an interim head coach that was promoted. Well, yeah, they
0: know he's in uh a part-time coach. They know that as an interim head coach. So they listen to him, but you know, how much does he have really have to say about it? And yeah, okay. I don't, can't wear my hoodies and I can't do this and I can't do that. But all that does is upset them, because they've been able to do that all along. So, you know, it's part of, you know, going back, cleaning house, starting all over and, uh, get making it happen. And the first way you do that is you get a coach. That's, uh, somebody who is, uh, Strict, when I went to UNLV, okay, I went in and I told the team, I just laid it right out and told them what it was all about, okay? My first day there. And I lost two of the best players on the team. They both transferred to San Diego State, okay? And we played against them. And I said, well, if you can't do what my rules are and so on, I'm not going to mention their names, you go down there. But I wanted people to know whether you're the best player or an average player, when I tell you this is the way we're going to work out, this is the way we're going to dress, this is the way we're going to be on the field, this is the way we're going to ride the bus, this is the way we're going to do, eat in the mess hall, this is what we're going to do, then you do it. And I was tough, really tough. And they probably didn't like me. But I ran off a lot of the guys that didn't want to pay the price. And you know, the school they went to, they never beat me. And I know that bothered them because one of them called me the other day just to say hi, and I returned a call. It was great, because maybe he learned that discipline and doing what you're told to do is what the way, right way of doing it. Then I could get easier and become a player's coach. But, you know, sometimes you get too close to your uh, employees. You get too close to your players. You've got to have that space for respect, where they respect you. They want to play for you, but you, they know you love them. You'll call their parents, you know, every one of their family's names, you recognize them, everything about them. But when it comes to what you're here for, that's an education and to play football. They know you're damn serious about it. And that's, that's the way you got to do. Now, Dante Williams is in a difficult situation. Now he's going out recruiting. He says he's going to go all over the country, but how much is that going to make a difference? Because everybody wants to know who the head coach is going to be. Yeah nobody nobody's coming to USC because Dante Williams is the assistant coach nobody okay he's a great recruiter at USC he's a great recruiter at Oregon but no one's going to come to USC unless they know who the head coach is
2: yeah I agree with you there coach um let's go to another text messages from Rick and Lakewood hey Ryan and crew Rick and Lakewood un freaking believable to lose to UCLA like that uh can we fire the interim coach? Is that possible? All I got to say is the next guy that comes to coach USC team should clean house, fire all the staff and start fresh. Hell, even ask some of the players to transfer if they don't fit the new coach's scheme. I don't know if USC will ever be back to the promised land, but I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope that one day. Anyway, thanks for all you do. Keeping USC fans sane. Thanks again, Ryan and crew. Uh, fight on. USC band alum, Rick from Lakewood. Pretty much everything you just said, coach, right? Like they got a clean house. They got to start fresh. And you're probably going to run some players off who, uh, you know, if you're used to being able to do whatever you want and not have to work hard and a new coach comes in and says, hey, we're going to work hard. They're like, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for Clay Helton's, you know, and there's going to be turnover. No matter what, there's going to be turnover.
0: Obviously, there's going to be turnover right now. Players are waiting to talk to the head football coach. If you're a quarterback at USC, would you want to be knowing who the head football coach is going to be? Mm-hmm. Are you thinking of going in the portal, maybe some of those players? Absolutely. So if I'm a head football coach and I come in, I sit down with all three quarterbacks and I have a talk with them individually and I tell them what type of offense I have. And if you're looking for this, or you're looking for that. then maybe this isn't a place for you, but I want you. I want you here to compete. Now, the ones that leave don't want to compete. They want to go on and have it like they did in high school. They want to throw the ball 60, 70 times a, a year, and they'll find a program that tells them they're going to do that. But again, they might not have that opportunity, just like JT Daniels is down there at Georgia, where they run the football and there's been a kid has gone in and really made them a winner. They're the number one team in the country. So sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. But I've seen one thing in JT Daniels. He has really grown up. He has really grown up. He's a different person now than when he was at USC. When he came to USC, he was walking around the practice field with his backpack on in the spring, like he was a star. Like he, what had he done for USC? What, did he, what he had he done to be walking around in the practice field? Why is he more important than any other player that they're recruiting? I mean, these are the things I look at. And when I say these things, Ryan, if, if I'm saying something that's not correct, please correct me because I want to pass out these things. But you're not a Trojan until you become a Trojan, and you do something for the Trojan football program. In the past, the seniors, and I don't know if you're old enough to know this, but the seniors ran the team. When, when the kids came in, they sort of said, you don't do that here, or you don't do that here, and you better get yourself straightened away here, son. And there was a few Marv Goos and guys around that knew the USC tradition. And no one got out of line. I talked to players who played for me that went to SC, and there's several of them, okay? They said when they saw Goo coming, they'd want to go hide. When they saw John McKay on campus, walking through campus, they'd turn right, even if they needed to go straight ahead. Because they loved him, but they didn't know what he might say to them. And sometimes he said nothing. He walked right by him. Now, that's the way he was. I'm not saying everyone can be that way and be successful. But there is respect for who that person was. And unless you have respect for who that person is, it's hard for you to give it back to him what he wants.
2: Yeah. Um, Coach, one of the things that came up on Tunnel Vision last night was the play of Jackson Dart. I know a lot of fans were just like, Jackson Dart, why isn't he starting? Everything's going to be great. And I was, I mean, Chuck and I both were saying, like, the problem's with the offense. There's a systematic problem with the offense. It's not... Slovis is terrible, and Dart is the savior. Like, I think Dart can be really good, but Slovis has been really good before, too. And I look at that offense from Saturday, and it' the same kind of stuff. Mistakes, you know, there's penalties, uh, bad throws. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. The same kind of stuff, you know, stalling in the red zone that happened with Slovis. It, Dart is not a magic bullet in my mind. But I wanted to get your thoughts on Dart, how he played. Um, and if you, you know, if you maybe feel differently that, no, Dart's... Dart could be definitely better. I mean, he could be, but it wasn't going to fix all of the offensive problems like a lot of the fans think. Uh, And they were blaming all of this on Slovis when that's just not the case, in my opinion.
0: Well, I think they're both great players, okay? I think you could win with either one of them. I haven't seen Miller Moss, so it's tough for me to figure that out. But, I mean, as far as in actual game type of situations, but he was a great player when he came there. Uh, You know, here's the situation. When you're there... You don't get any better. Okay. The system doesn't allow you to get any better. So all of a sudden you make a change and you have someone else try it because the system is one where the quarterback does not really have a chance when you're back there and you, everybody knows where you are. They're coming after you. And did did UCLA come after him? Did Arizona state come after him? Did these other schools come after him? Absolutely. Now, Jackson's a little bit more athletic, so he can avoid the rush. But both of them get banged up. Everyone gets banged up when you're a quarterback at USC. But you take shots that are unbelievable. There is nothing to hold the rush. There's nothing to, for the outside. There's nothing to play action. There's nothing for a defense to worry about. And it becomes very, very annoying because you're a quarterback and you know what you're going to expect. So you figure, i got to throw this ball right away. So you start forcing balls. You start, you're not relaxed in the pocket. You're not confident on what you're running, you know? So it becomes very uh, awkward and, you know, and it's not relaxing. And they're young kids. This is, a, you know, this is a kid that, you know, it was playing herb really with a knee. You know, I'm surprised he came back and played. That's a tough kid. And I like the kid, except he's a little bit too Hollywood for me. I would tell him to take his, that little thing off that's around his head that hangs behind his jersey, and I think that doesn't look too cool when you're getting beat sixty something something, yeah, and you're throwing a couple of interceptions. I mean, those are the type of things that I think is part of growing up and teaching a kid certain things that you got to learn and do and remember. You don't want to be different than people; you want all part of a team. And that's something to let them get away with, and others get away with those little things. But you see, little things are like termites. They can eat up a whole program, and that's what's happened at USC. From the top to the bottom, there's too many loose ends. Uh, the, the plumbing's gone out. Uh, the foundation has crumbled. The whole program is at that point because there's been lack of directors as far as leading it, non-experienced athletic directors being athletic directors because of politics, There hasn't been, whether you like Mike Garrett or not, there hasn't been a discipline program at USC since Mike Garrett has been there. So it's all changed, and it's gone downhill. Mike was the type of guy that he gave you whatever you needed to win, and if you don't win, when he called you in and said, you know, I'm going to have to make a change, that person said, Coach, I agree with you, Mike, because you gave me everything and I couldn't get it done. Yeah. So I think you need that type of leadership that is he was a Trojan and but he knew what it was. He never played in a Rose Bowl, but he was a Heisman Trophy winner. Why? He sold out. He believed in USC. He bled Cardinal and Gold. And when they saw Mike come around or when a player went to Mike's office, there was some serious stuff going on. Yeah. Okay.
2: We uh we'll do one more text and then we'll take a little break and then start talking about some coaching stuff. But Brian from Lake Forest says uh, he had a comment and question for Coach Hyde. It's obvious that the new head coach will have to have a will have a huge task ahead in changing the culture of the USC football program. One aspect that I've been annoyed by in recent years is the propensity for many players to sit out practices and games due to various ailments. Uh, it's one thing to have an injury, but it's another. If a player's just hurt, after nine games, no player's 100% healthy. The Trojans had a bye week, so players had two weeks to get their bodies ready to play against UCLA. It's very discouraging and surprising to hear before the game that there were many players that wouldn't be able to go. Uh, It must uh, be very uh, discouraging for the players that suit up and drag their butts out there to play the game. Early in the year, we watched Jackson Dart play for three quarters against Washington State with a torn meniscus. Where's the commitment from many of these other players? So, Coach Hyde, do you agree this has been a problem? And if so, how do you go about fixing it? Thanks, Brian and Lake Forest.
0: Well, uh, I don't know how hurt these guys are because I'm not there and I'm not the trainer and I don't know. But unless a player can play in a game, he doesn't dress, okay? And, uh, And I didn't even take him on away games. And a lot of times I didn't even let them come down on the field. Why? They're a the distraction to the players that are playing. Not that I didn't love them, but they stayed out of the player's zone, but I didn't want them talking to people, They're disrupting players. I wanted them paying attention to what's going on in the field, and that's the way it goes. So that sort of gave them a little bit more of a motivation to get themselves well and be ready to go. Now, players that used to carry the ball 30 times a game, like Icky Woods or Terrell Davis or somebody, you know, I'd get Monday off. I'd let them stretch. And the team knew that. They're banged up. They're sore. Their legs are sore and so on. So they would run in pads and so on. And the team understood that. Because that's the money guy, man. Randall Cunningham practiced every day. He'd come to me and want to talk about, hey, coach, I got a bad arm and so on. I'd say, well, we'll put it in a sling after practice. And, uh, you know, it's just part of mental toughness. And mental toughness is something that you learn you're either mentally tough and you want to play. And how bad do these kids want to play? You've got to want to play. I mean, kids would come to me and they'd say, coach, I'm ready to go. And I'd look at him. He's not ready to go. I'm not going to put him in there. He's not ready to go. But they'd want to go because they wanted to play and they were mentally tough and they were they bought in and they were Trojans or they were Lancers or whatever they were, wherever I coached, Rebels. They didn't make any difference. They wanted to play. You love those kids, and those kids love you because you really protected them, but yet I love them because they wanted to sell out, and they were our leaders, and I'll tell you, when they set examples like that, watch Malapiei. He's a captain. He should have started that game. I know Ingram's a good player, but I'm telling you, I want my captains playing. Malipi is a true winner. I mean, he leads a different type of of leadership on that football field. Now, a lot of people might disagree with me. Maybe he's a step slower than Ingram or whatever. But when it comes to getting that extra yard or pounding on you or leadership or someone in the huddle that looks at you, you better do what he tells you to do. I want those type of guys on my side, okay? He goes in the game, scores three touchdowns, and when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, and there goes Malapyai. And, uh, you know, these are the little things I look at. I'd have started him because he's a senior, and it's the last home game. But does anybody think about that? I don't know. Does that just blow through someone's head? And there's no thought about that? I don't know. Because I don't know what's going on there. So these are the things that you talk about as far as commitment and wanting to play maybe with a ding or not playing. The coach is not going to play anybody who was injured who could – injure himself more, but kids come to you wanting to play. And I see a lot of kids not wanting to play as far as the way I look at some of the things at USC.
2: Yeah. Uh, we'll see if Malapai starts against, uh, BYU. Cause that'll be the senior day. Um, we'll see if he gets that start, but it was the last conference home game for sure. Uh, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back. We'll talk about the coaching search a little bit back in a minute. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, uh, Coach, we're back. Let's uh, go to Mark in the IE. He says, hey, Coach, sorry you have to answer more questions about another loss, but I'll change it up a little bit. Do you think that players like Jackson Dart Uh, And some of the young talent will stick around for two years to be part of a rebuilding process or even the top recruits wanting to come and know that it might take two to three years. I hope to hear your thoughts. Thank from Mark and the IE.
0: Well, I think they, they will if they know they they have a leader and a type of coach that they know has been successful, not someone who's a beginner or someone that hadn't done it before with a reputation and, they know uh, his background, and they allow him... Like I say, if they give him the keys to the Ferrari and let him drive it, drive it because I think USC is a Ferrari, okay? So if they let him drive it, and, know, and everybody gets out of his way, and everybody lets him do what he wants to do as far as within the structure of the NCAA rules, and roll with it. I think you'll get a lot of recruits come that will switch their commitment, and maybe a lot of players that he recruited will want to come and play for him, but they... Uh, players play for coaches and programs, and and uh, you know what USC now currently ranks 67th in the country in recruiting. And as I mentioned Friday, they lost their only five-star to Georgia as a defensive lineman, and so on. I mean, it, you know, it, it's 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 as low as it can be. Okay, but I look at it this way: What coach you've got to want to work for your boss? Okay. So if you're coming in and you're one of these type of coaches that might have an opportunity to go to Florida, LSU, Washington, somewhere, you're going to say, I want to work for these people. So if you're coming to USC, are you willing to say, I want to work for these people? I believe in these people, the structure they have at USC. I believe in them. I believe that this is what they really want, and that's why I'm coming to USC is to win a national championship not win the Pac-12 South, okay? You look at it that way, first of all. So you've got to create that type of atmosphere that the players feel the same way, that I want to play for this guy. I want to work for this guy because he wouldn't have come here unless he believed in this program. Now, does it take longer than two or three years or shorter than two or three years? No, I think you can do it pretty quickly at USC because the cupboards aren't bare. There's some players there that can play, but they've got to be put on the field in the right position and given the right opportunity to play. They're not going to play for a national championship right away, but the talent isn't that rich as far as in the trenches. But I think they'll compete. They'll compete and they'll do what people want to see them do. And they'll have an offense that has rhythm and an offense that has identity. And they'll have a defense that'll line up and hit you and run to the football and not miss tackles and break down in secondary calls and keep it simple where players can demonstrate their ability. And when you do that in your USC, you can attract great players because you've told them, I came here, I didn't have to come here. But I wanted to come here because of what we can do here. And you explain that to the players, and that's what they see, too. If this coach is willing to make this move to USC, then I'm willing to be there with him. And I think the players at USC are looking for this. Along wait, How many will leave? A lot will leave. I mean, because there's a lot of players at USC that came in under the portal that hasn't contributed a thing not a thing, maybe a punt return or stand on the sideline. That is what you call mismanagement in a football program.
2: Yeah. No, I agree with you, coach. Um, Okay. Let's see. Why don't we, we'll do another uh, email. Um, this is from John in Salt Lake city. Hey guys, do you think, the chances of USC hiring Luke Fickle are about, he says, I think the chances of USC hiring Luke Fickle are about 30%. You think that's too high or too low, John in Salt Lake City?
0: Well, I would say 50, 50. I mean, uh, the big question is, is he willing to leave Cincinnati if they go to the playoffs or they go to a big bowl game? Is he willing to leave there and come and immediately start working at USC? That's a big question. When you hire a coach like that, what's the commitment at his move? And uh, I think that's what USC needs to find out. And I think that the school he's at too would allow him to do that if he's willing to leave that team because they want the new head coach to be identified so they can continue recruiting and do their thing. So I would say that uh, that's the thing that he has to decide. And uh, Luke Fickle, if he's the type of coach, I like to coach, I like what he's doing and so on. He hasn't uh, Showing me any reason why he wouldn't be a good coach. Now, can he recruit the West coast? I don't know, but he can certainly hire coaches that know the West coast and under his leadership, they might be able to do a great job at USC because it's the philosophy of the head football coach and the strength of the head football coach and the assistance he puts together that work around him that have the contacts and the network to be able to recruit and coach at the same time. Now, there's a lot of coaches. If you remember the defensive coordinator before Orlando didn't believe in recruiting. How can a head football coach have a coach on his staff that didn't want to recruit and put up with it? I mean, these are the things. I mean, it's a history. We can go back and back and back. I mean, I'm sorry. I went back to that, but that's all true. You know,
2: oh, no, no, hundred percent true. Yeah, that's a hundred percent
0: true. So that's why the program is where it is. I mean, so he's got to be very, very smart if he comes, because he's a name of the Midwest in Southern California. He's a name that maybe isn't that familiar. Cincinnati has a great team, but how familiar is he to Southern California? And does he really uh, remember? He's got to compete with the, the uh, Chargers and Rams and Lakers and Kings and all of that. So you've got to have a star. It's important you have a star. That people can write about and want to take pictures with, with their kids and so on. That hasn't been a fact for I don't know how long, as far as that happening. So, you know, uh, I would I think he's a great coach, but he's got it's not he can't come and bring his whole staff here if they're old Midwest. That won't work because California is fed up with people coming in here and that's why all their great players are going somewhere else
2: yeah it's i mean obviously problems with that and uh i mean i think he'd be a great candidate and mike bones already hired him once you know the biggest issue being he's got six kids he's very established in the midwest just because it's a better job doesn't mean it's a better fit for the coach so that's everything i'm hearing That seems to be that's where so i'd probably go a little under his 30 percent but who knows we'll see we should know in a couple of weeks um Why don't we – oh, so we had – Jack from New Jersey wrote a long email in. basically says he hates James Franklin, so he doesn't want to see James Franklin hired. Uh, We got a lot of people – he doesn't know who to hire, but he just doesn't want James Franklin, which I don't think he's going to be – he's probably going to get some sort of extension at Penn State. Um, But we do have a a suggestion from our buddy Curtis. Let me play this one for you, Coach.
3: Hey, Fairstyle, Hi, Ryan. This is for you and the coach. I've seen the video of the Utah game last night, and their fans rushed the field after the game. Yeah, that was a great win against Oregon. I can remember so many times, at least two or three, they rushed the field on us. They have a great coach. Why is he never considered for the job at USC? Integrity. And every pregame before we play them, the information that the peristyle gives us, the fans, oh, they're going to be well coached. The defense and, the, you know, the line play is going to be tough. You know, they're going to run the ball. Yeah, every year, that's what we want. Dual threat quarterbacks, too. And he develops three-star players. I wonder what he would do with the kind of talent he could get at USC. Just a question from a concerned fan. Pay him enough to leave
2: a track record of toughness. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Uh, real quick, coach. So that he's talking about Kyle Whittingham, obviously Utah's head coach. Again, one of those situations that it doesn't. You know, he's a great coach. That's one of the best you know there as far as teams go he develops players uh he gets guys ready um you know he has got a good chance of winning his very first Pac-12 championship he's the all-time winning uh coach at, in Utah now after the the beatdown they put down on Oregon but not everything's the gr- the best fit you know he's a great he's a great tool he's like an awesome screwdriver but sometimes you need a hammer and um that's sort of like what the situation is here he, he could retire any year at this point um so yes, he's a great coach, Curtis, but I don't think it would be a great fit for USC. Should he have been considered ten years ago? Yeah, I think you should have. But that you know, I think that ship has sailed. It seems like he's a Utah Utah guy for life and he'll just retire there. But I don't know, what do you think, coach?
0: Well, I think he's a great coach. And uh, I think that he'd be a great fit at USC or a guy like him. The best coach team in in the Pac twelve. And I, Curtis says, you know, he does it every year. I mean, we can go back and look at the recruiting list and where is he ranked in the top 20? Maybe. I mean, as far as getting players, he coaches players. He puts them where they're supposed to be played. Uh, If you noticed on the Oregon game, the quarterback was under center almost the entire game, running power and doing the things that people say, oh, you can't win with. No, they just destroyed Oregon. Oregon was a pretender and they, and they certainly did prove that. And uh, they got a quarterback. He likes to have an athletic quarterback, but he's one with uh, quarterbacks that aren't athletic. Uh, He's the one that uh, designs an offense and a defense uh, that fits his personnel. He's a great special teams coach. He's got it all. That's the type of coach you need at USC. Is he too old? I don't know if he's too old or not. He's got great respect as far as on the West Coast. I really don't know how old he is, but I think dollars could be very interesting to him. And I think uh, people respect him. He's a respected coach. I'm going to tell you, you don't mess with him. He's a Goo type of guy now. I mean, when he talks to you, you're going to pay attention to what he has to say. And and he's got control of his football team, if you watch his football team. Yet he's a player's coach. They love him. Yeah. But that's the type of person you need as far as at USC. You need that type of individual that takes it seriously and doesn't pretend that he knows it all but he gets people that do know it all that work around it.
2: Yeah. He just turned 62. Um, he's been at Utah since 1994. Like those are the kind of things where you're like, okay. And I, I what I've heard is that he was, you know, looking to retire here at some point now they're, they're rolling right now and the PAC 12 is down. He can have some really great success, uh, in his last few years there. But you know, I, Hey, if he would have any interest whatsoever, USC could do a hell of a lot worse. I would agree with you, coach. Like, you want to go after a guy like that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, the hot names now, like Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, those are the ones we're hearing more of. Here's a, a name that's not very hot. And, I'm and coach, I can get, get a little snarky. You know me, right? Sometime, and we get a lot of suggestions about who the head coach should be. Many of them are really terrible. I'm going to try to be nice uh, to our friend Tyree. Um, but I think this is a bad idea, but he says, hi, my name's Tari from Washington, DC. Thank you for all the podcasts getting us through the tough days. I have a question regarding the coaching search. I was doing some thinking and a thought came across my mind of Hugh Jackson should be considered a candidate. He has years of NFL experience as a quarterback coach, offensive and defensive coordinator, and is currently the OC at Tennessee state with Eddie George. He was USC's offensive coordinator and John Robinson and Paul Hackett, even though those weren't the best years. He still is familiar with the tradition, not to mention he's a native L.A. and was a quarterback at Dorsey High School. What are your thoughts on him being considered? Thank you, Tyree. Tyree, I would say you've said it in your email. He's the offensive coordinator at Tennessee State. Um, I don't think if you're going to get a wow you know, a, a hire, that would be it. I mean, really the only reason you would consider hiring because he was at USC before, and that's exactly what USC's done in the past when they've hired people, less successful offensive coordinators, like, I mean, more successful offensive coordinators than Hugh Jackson, like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. I think if you're looking, LSU's open. Florida's open. Would they consider Hugh Jackson to be the head coach? If not, I think you got a pass. But what what would it you say, coach? Trying to be nice. Trying to be, um, you know, I could go off, but I'm going to just be nice. What do you think, coach?
0: Well, I think, you know, he's, he, people know who he is. I know who he is and all this and that. But are you going to impress the LA market? Are you going to impress the past Trojan players? Are people going to jump up and start buying season tickets? I mean, this is what you're trying to do is fill a Coliseum that's just spent $200 million in renovating. I think he's a good coach and he's been around and so on, but that's not the hire. And I think you did it before when you brought in Lane Kiffin and all the assistant coaches from North Texas State and here and there and coordinators that have been fired and this and that, that you need stability. You need stability, and you need someone that's a star that people will say, yes, this is the type of guy we want. And not that he's not the type of guy you want, except right now he's not the person for the job.
2: Yeah. All right, Coach. Uh, Well, that'll wrap things up here. Maybe we'll have uh, more pleasant things to talk about uh, next week after uh, USC BYU. I don't know. I'm not uh, holding out much hope for that. Uh, because just the way this team has been playing, but who knows? We'll see uh, what we get, but coach, I do appreciate the time. Thank you so much uh, for coming on a little earlier on Monday than we normally do. Got a lot of stuff trying to get taken care of before Thanksgiving, but I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and look forward to talking to you again next week.
0: Ryan, again, thank you. And again, uh, if you'd like to listen to me on Sunday mornings, you can listen to Chuck Hayes and myself on AM 830 at 10 AM locally here in los angeles and ryan i want to wish you a happy thanksgiving and everybody else out there a happy thanksgiving be safe and like i said at the opening of this uh, podcast make a call to somebody will you please and make their day so ryan again thank you very much buckle up everyone
2: all right thanks coach and thanks everyone for listening to the Parastyle podcast hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time